Hello, this is Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian, host of the Badass Women's Council podcast. We're here for reflection and connection for the badass, high-achieving woman like you. So thanks for being here. And since you're here, you might as well just hit the subscribe button. I mean, don't be silly. You don't want to miss a minute of any of the episodes coming up. I'm not coming down. I never liked it on the ground. I'm not coming down. I want to go higher, higher, higher than that. Today's guest is Renee Sager. Renee helps her clients as a life coach deal with emotional eating. Her website states, where women break up with binge eating and create the life they're truly hungry for. I love this episode. We actually just connected a couple of hours ago and I said, hey, do you want to record a podcast today? Because she posted something on Instagram because it's her birthday and it was a reflection over the last 10 years. And there were some things that really stood out to me that I wanted to talk about today. And so this, this conversation encapsulates everything that I care about working with my clients in the difference between striving and thriving, both in our mindset, in our willingness to explore careers until we find the one that really fits for us. It's just rich with, it's just, it's just good. Here we go. And I'm not coming down. Hey, Renee, how's it going? Good. I'm excited to be here and to chat with you. I'm excited too. So happy birthday. I know this won't come out today, but today we're recording on your birthday. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And we're birthday people, we have discovered. So mm-hmm. yay us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm accepting gifts and happy birthdays all month long to anyone out there listening. So just know that if you're listening later, which you will be, I, send me the love still. I still take it. Absolutely. And if they want to put this on their calendar for next year, it's December the 1st. Mm -hmm. Yep. I often have an Amazon uh, wish list started so I can send you that link too. Amen, sister. We are, we are sisters in birthday celebration. Same, same, same. Well, here's what, here's why I reached out and said, can we talk today is not only because you're fabulous and it's your birthday, but your birthday post on, I found it on Instagram. I'm sure it it was on all the places, um, really stuck out because it's profound, but there's, there's a place in this that I want to hone in on for our listeners, but I'm going to summarize it quickly and then people can Mm -hmm. go and read it for themselves. It starts, um, it it goes from, well, it's not in chronological order. You're making it hard. It should be. It should be in chronological order. Oh, I just don't count very well. I'm more of a words girl than a numbers girl. (laughs) Hold please. Um, (laughs) you're, You're calling back on like all that's happened in a decade. And you start with 2008, um, blackout drunk, late stage alcoholic, 2009, got sober, 2012, residential treatment for eating disorder, Again, not first time, apparently. 2013, started working at Trader Joe's. This is the one I want to come back to. 2015, went into surgery for cervical cancer. 2016, your mom died. 2017, traveled through Europe with a friend from work who I'd never really hung out with outside of work. Totally sounds like something I would do. Also in 2017, moved back to Milton Freewater, made a major career change, opened a gym, 2018, officially started your own business, um, which you're running today. And 2019 was certified as a life coach. Um, 
making the biggest investment in yourself you'd ever made. And 2020, sold your childhood home, road tripped across the country with several stops and ended up here in our beautiful city of Indianapolis. That's quite a journey. Yeah. Another thing that I love about you, even though we've just met, it's just so apparent is big, bold moves. Sometimes those are destructive. Sometimes those are constructive (laughs) and it's played out in this evolution. And so I want people to follow you because you, you specialize in emotional eating Mm -hmm. Yeah, as a, as a practitioner, as well as a, someone Mm -hmm. who's been through it to help others through it. Fair. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Tell before I launch into the the stuff I want to talk about about the trader how why the Trader Joe's thing stuck out to me. Tell us a, just a little bit about that work you do now. As an yeah, author. yeah. So I, um, as you were reading through that, struggled with uh, food stuff. Like you name it, I did it with food and body and just that chronic anxiety around it uh, for over a decade, fifteen years, close to and. Um, you know, finally I've reached a place where I was able to see why I had struggled for so damn long. And once I started kind of connecting those dots within myself, everything just became more and more apparent. And that's when I started really educating myself on intuitive eating, health at every size, getting more into the brain and the psyche. And I just always said, if I ever figure this out, I'm going to tell everyone, I'm going to help as many people as I can. And here I am getting to do just that. And I, I, I love doing it because I find that it is women similar to you. It is women similar to me. It is the go-getter, like very high achieving, productive, outgoing person. And it's this food thing that is like the skeleton in the closet that she can cannot get rid of. And I love getting to work with these kinds of women. I love getting to talk about all that deep, dark stuff. I've never been someone that's into small talk. I, I just, I couldn't like cut the shit. Let's get to the good stuff. And so that's something else that I really love about coaching and that I, I just kind of do effortlessly, which is I really lay it all out there, but I lay it all out there in hopes that someone else is going to connect to it. And they get like a flicker of hope that, oh my gosh, maybe I can do this because I know I didn't get here by myself. Like I had tons of help, tons of mentors, tons of everything, you know? And so I put it out there in hopes of offering someone else some inspiration or some hope because I lived in that hell with food and it really felt like a hell for again, 15 years. And so for me to be able to help women leave that in a relatively quick amount of time is, is amazing. And I just, I really love it. And my clients right now are amazing and it just keeps getting better every year. So that is, that is what I do. I love the way you talk about it. I, you light up. I can tell when someone is in what I call a thriving career versus striving Mm -hmm. when they talk about it and they just, they have that look of thriving on their face. It's Mm -hmm. joy. It's happiness. It's I love what I do. It makes a difference. I see mm-hmm. how it makes a difference. So it's always fun for me to see that in someone. But what's what's funny is I think back about 10, maybe even 12 years ago, I wrote a blog post and it was titled, I miss the days when I was hungry and I just ate. Mm. 
because that that's when things start, you know, you're, you're, I was traveling all the time. I had little kids. It was constantly what's for dinner. And then when was I going to eat? And what was I going to eat? Was I going to eat chicken nuggets off of the kids plate again and then feel like shit? Or was I going to actually make a healthy dinner? And it was like food became this, this thing when my kids are little. So Mm -hmm. I, I totally resonate with that. You mentioned something about your journey. You said, I, I finally figured it out for myself. And then I really started to dive in and study it more from the neuroscience and from all the, di- the different angles. Can you share with us what was that catalyst of figuring it out for yourself? The epiphany maybe? Yeah. You know, sometimes I'm hesitant to say the epiphany because I think when I put this out there, people are like, oh my gosh, I have to have a traumatic event happen in my life. But things kind of really clicked for me when my mom died, right? Like I was still managing, things were okay, but it was after her death that I I was really kind of shaken and it was put into perspective for me just how short life could be. And I was a very functioning person with binge eating, right? Like most of us are, we've managed it. We're really good at, at hiding it and protecting it. And I had gotten to the point, you know, after her death that I was like, I don't want this anymore. Like the difference for me was I wanted the life without it more than I wanted the life with it. And that's a, it's a, it's a challenging place to be because for so many of us that have emotional eating or binge eating things, it is a comfort. It is our number one coping skill. And so to think, I mean, it's basically like ripping your child's stuffed animal out from them. Like it's terrifying. And so I, 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 you know, I hear that fear and I had it too. Like, what do I even do with my life? If I'm not thinking about food or exercising or binging or burning it off or, you know, what do I do? But I just, I, and I didn't know. And this is something that I always try and tell my clients too, is like, please don't get stuck on the how it will happen. It will unfold. It will also click for you, but you have to start because like, for me, I didn't know. I just knew like, Hey, listen, I want to, I want to be a business owner. I want to be a coach. I want to do all of these things. And I don't want to carry this heavy bag of emotional eating, binge eating with me into every single thing that I do in my life, because up until that point it had been there. And so I kind of, you know, metaphorically put the bag down and kind of started working through some of that stuff. And, you know, a lot of it is regaining that trust with myself. And that's something that I work with clients on a lot too, is that, you know, diet culture, dieting robs us from all of our personal power. It makes us doubt ourselves until we die. We don't think we know what to eat. We don't think we know how to eat. We don't think we should be the weight that we are. We do everything against ourselves. And so what I kind of do is I come in and I help you. We like clear all that stuff out of your brain, all those years and years of diet culture and messaging that, you know, we've, we've believed about ourselves, which is I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. And we like can the food rules for maybe the first time in your entire life. And we, by doing that, by stripping away all of those old beliefs, we're able to kind of really get clear on what exactly you want. Because the fear is if I don't control my food, I'll never stop eating. That's not ever happened. (laughs) That's literally never happened to anyone that I've worked with myself included, but it's actually that fear. I'm so terrified. If I don't control it, I'll never stop eating. That is actually keeping us eating. And so we, we like 
remove all of those fears. And I kind of help my clients tap back into what they really want, because as motivated and as confident as these women seem, they are often not as confident as they put out into the world. And they, they crave, they crave the, uh, kudos from people. They crave the admiration. They are people pleasers, even though they are quite confident. Like if you looked at them, you'd be like, oh, she is super confident and super driven. But uh, in, internally, like when I get to see behind the curtain, there's a lot of, I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think I am worth it. I don't think I'm worthy of this, which surprise, hello, like that's welcome to the human condition, right? Like there's nothing about that that's surprising to me, but it's, it's amazing to get to show women why they're thinking that and that they can actually for once in their, possibly in their entire life, have a choice and shift how they move forward. We do very similar work because (laughs) I help career women and men, mostly women, learn how to trust themselves to get through times of uncertainty because all of our career is full of it. Mm -hmm how to trust that they have unique gifts and talents that are their superpower mm-hmm. and how to trust themselves to reach out and ask for help and connect to get the, to have the kind of life they want. And one of the things that is a common theme in the women I'm working with as well is they haven't really identified the life they want they're just trying to control all the pieces mm-hmm. as they move through it. And you said that I did, you totally. said, I don't really want to say my epiphany because I don't want people to think that there needs to be a traumatic experience. But I think that the, the biggest thing that we can do in the work that we do is remind people that identifying the life you want is that, you know, we, we only make changes really for pain or gain, right? To move mm-hmm. away from the pain or move towards mm-hmm. the gain. If we don't spend some time looking at what the gain opportunities are and identifying what's the life that I want, it's going to be really difficult to achieve it. We're just mm-hmm. constantly taking it as it comes and trying to control all the things. And I think that's where we get into some some struggle. I put out a survey and asked people to describe what a thriving life was. Mm -hmm. And people said, this is really hard. I don't know. I've never really thought about it. I should spend some time thinking about it. And it was, it's fascinating to me more and more of my clients, I'm asking that question and they, and and I'm helping guide them through identifying what do Mm -hmm. they even want? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's fascinating to me. Yeah, it is. And, And it is because we're just like, we talked about before we started recording too, is like so much of that comes from societal expectations. Like, oh, this is what you do to be successful. And it's not the truth for everyone. Like, that's yeah, and, and what you want shouldn't be, I, I hate the word shouldn't. Pause, please. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Backing up. Rewind. What we, we can do for ourselves is not identify the life we want in terms of a title, an achievement, or something that sounds like a business term. But instead, identify the life we want and how it feels to live mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I shared with you that the, the framework I use, because I think this is really interesting, the way it ties together is I, I talk about a business as human framework. And if you had two columns side by side and under the business column, you wrote control, measure, optimize. Mm-hmm. And under the human column, you wrote personal, emotional, and social. We have very different needs. The business needs to control the money-making model of the business. That's good business practice. But we as humans 
can get more comfortable with our unique personal needs, our emotional needs, our social needs. And when we can combine those two, that's thriving. But I think that with food, with our time, with a lot of things, especially uh, high achieving women, control has become our Mm -hmm. go-to because we feel like without it, things will spin completely out of control and we Mm -hmm. won't know what's coming next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that you noted in there, as I, as I said, was that a stint at Trader Joe's, God bless Trader Joe's. I love them so much. Um, In 2013, you said in 2013, I started at Trader Joe's. And I think that's worth mentioning because I met some of my closest friends there. Pause, social, right? Um, I met David there. I'm assuming that's a a very special person in your life. Yeah, my boyfriend. Hello, David. (laughs) And it was the most, quote unquote, at home in a job you'd ever felt. Mm -hmm. And that is so significant in the work that I do for people to feel themselves and connected at work. And it was significant enough that it made a place in your summary of the decade amidst some other really big things. And I wanted to talk about that. What was it about Trader Joe's that got the bullet point on the birthday list in a significant place in the last decade? Oh, I just think it's hilarious that you picked that out because, so I had originally written this in my note in my phone this morning when I was going through pictures and like thinking about what I wanted to write and I had done the whole thing. And then as I was going through my photos, I was looking at all of them and, you know, I was, I was, had tons in there from Trader Joe's. I had tons in there from my girlfriends from Trader Joe's. And I, I went back through and added that in there. And I, I felt that it was worth noting because, you know, I just remember going in there for the interview and it was, I mean, I'm a kind of weird, like I'm a... I wouldn't even put the kind of disclaimer on there. My favorite thing about you is how weird you are. I'm kind of a weirdo. You're unique. (laughs) I feel like you are owning your uniqueness in big, bold ways. And it makes me, it makes me trust you because I feel like, and that's what I say to my clients. The more you own your uniqueness, the more you evoke a sense of trust because you, I know you're not hiding anything for God's sakes. I've, I've seen you do whatever I've seen you just be you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, when I even just going into Trader Joe's on the first day and people were not in like corporate uniforms, like they were wearing Converse and they were wearing whatever and jeans and crazy hairstyles and plugs and tattoos and, and beards and weird glasses and everything. And just a, just a shirt that was like Trader Joe's with a Hawaiian flower on it. I was like, Oh my God, it just felt fun to me. And I, obviously it tend to be a little bit higher energy and I get, I get off on that. Like I, that's, you know, another reason why I did like working at Starbucks and restaurants too, is the adrenaline, the, the peak from it. But the, there was just something different about being in there. And I remember when Dean, he was a, one of our captains that wasn't really that popular at my store, but I really, really liked him. He, um, I really like Dean and he hired me. And that's probably why of one reason why I like him, but we just have a lot of similarities in our intensity, um, which can be off-putting to a lot of people. But um, he hired me. And I remember right when I got hired, I like 
ran up to him and like bear hugged him and he's like this pretty beefy bald-headed like oh i do crossfit and yeah bro i'm gonna eat steak and so he's kind of like like that and so i like bear hugged him when i got hired and one of the mates jessica was like i don't think anyone has ever hugged dean before (laughs) and i i was just like but i was just i just felt so at home. And I just remember the first day we, I started and I, I took a picture for my Instagram back then. And it was all of my shirts that I had gotten and my like knife cutter and the belt thing. And I was just like, I can tell this is where I belong. And it was just the, you know, the, the ringing of the bells and the music and, you know, the mates, the, the upper management while they're upper management, they're still like, just fun people. And that's what I like is, and this isn't like, there are definite, let's just like be, keep it real. There are definitely some negatives that I could go into, but we're going to stay on the positives for right now. So, um, you know, a big part of being successful at Trader Joe's is having a good work ethic. And that is something that I do. And that is something that a lot, not all, a lot of the people there also have, which is like, get up, let's, get to work, but also let's have some fun doing it. Like let's have the witty banter going back and forth and the music cranked up and the jokes and the laughter, like belly laughter on the floor. And I just, I feel like that's so much about what I want in my life is I, I used to think I wanted a job where I wore a pencil skirt and heels and had a briefcase, honest to God for the long. Oh, I had that job. Yeah. I was like, I just want to be a secretary and I still have some, difficulty being me, not being the buttoned up, all of that stuff. I feel like, oh, I should be, I should be doing that. And I have like a panic attack about it, like twice a year, whereas like, I need to be more serious and more professional, but (laughs) I just can't, I just can't. And so, you know, that was a part of that job that I just was like, oh my God, these are my people. Like the, the mates were crazy. The captains were crazy. The coworkers were crazy, but all in like such a good, relatable way. Just like good people, just some and, good. And to me, that's the epitome of a personal, emotional, and social humanity-based culture, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you can combine that with a good money-making model of business practices and systems and processes, that's a winning combination. But yeah. what's really interesting about your story is this wasn't your first job. Oh, God, Before no. that, <laughs> where were you? I was uh, at a hospital, a main hospital in Portland, Oregon, and I'd been there for five or so years. I had floated through a couple different units, you know, renal dialysis. Had you 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 were training to be a nurse, right? Yeah, I was in school. I was applying for nursing school. I was doing the three three twelves. I had the scrubs. I was like, this is the job that's going to be respectable, and people are going to like look up to me. And I hated my life every single day on the way to work. I honestly thought I wish someone would just crash into me. Like I dreaded going so bad and I don't even know really what it was. I just know I felt extremely claustrophobic there. I felt like I could not breathe. And I, I, it had nothing to do with the people that I worked with because honestly, the people that worked on some of my units, like almost every floor that I worked at at the hospital amazing like still friends with them on social media just wonderful nurses have very similar like raunchy humor that I appreciate (laughs) Uh, I lived with a nurse uh for for many years and I loved her too but like 
for me, the, the work was just so claustrophobic feeling. It just felt awful. That's what I describe as striving. When you're in a job that doesn't play to your unique gifts, talents, it, it's, I'm very, I'm, I'm very much about God kind of guiding some of these experiences mm-hmm. that we have. And I think that's the way that he's like pounding on the door going, this one's not for you. This yeah. one's not for you. Like make you uncomfortable enough, even when it doesn't make sense because yeah. society says, get a job that's steady and has a good paycheck. Well, nursing is the is the epitome of that, yeah. right? It's you're, yeah. there's always going to be sick people, so you're always yeah. going to have a job, and they pay pretty well. But when you're miserable, yeah, that's no life. And so, yeah. this is a, is literally the perfect example of the difference between striving and thriving. Yeah. Is when you can find a place where you know that your unique gifts and talents and personality and style and all of those things, you can belong that's, that's what we want is to get up every day and think, I can't wait to go be with those people. It may not Mm -hmm. the work is still going to be work. I mean, don't be ridiculous, but, but doing it in a way that you can show up fully as yourself. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the snizzle. One of the, but one of the other things that you said about, um, the difference between the two was in the break room. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So at the hospital, I mean, I was like not in a good place with my food when I was working at the hospital. So I was very much like, I was very aware of all the food and body talk, but I still am, but it just like, doesn't affect me in the way that it did back then. But, you know, at the hospital, you know what hospitals, I swear to you for as much health as they promote, it is like the most fat phobic place I've ever been. Like, cause all you and, and doctors bless their hearts. Like most aren't educated on health at every size, which I'm a huge believer in, and in like just the scale. And like, I've got lots of thoughts on all of those things, but you know, everywhere in the hospital is like, we're going to do a 10 pound weight loss challenge or like tape measures on photos and all about weight loss and just all of this stuff. And, and, and ironically you go in the break room and there's like boxes of donuts, things of bagels, and everyone's eating it. And the whole time they're eating it, they're like, oh my gosh, I I remember one person specifically was eating a bagel. And she was someone that I really like, liked. I looked up to her and she's like, oh, I'm going to eat a bagel here. And I'm going to get a bagel here, like around her midsection. And I was like, God, what a horrible way to think. And it's not their fault. Like it is our society, again, slapping on these, this is a good food. This is a bad food. Always eat green vegetables, never eat a donut. You know, all of these things that just make us more screwed up around food, but just, I, I stopped eating in the lunchroom because I was like, I can't handle this. Like all I hear are people talking about how fat they are, how much they hate their stomach, how they're starting a new cleanse, how this, that, and the other. And it was just like, I could not handle it. And then I went to Trader Joe's and because your schedule's so wacky, like I uh, started with the closing shift and then I kind of went to some mid shifts and then I went to the opener shifts and I preferred the openers because I'm much more a morning person. So, you know, sometimes you'd have to get there at 4 a.m., sometimes 3 a.m., sometimes 5 a.m. So you're up early, right? And if you get up at three in the morning, you are hungry at 
five or six or seven AM. Right. And so I just remember kind of going into the break room and having it be odd hours, you know, like 7 AM or 10 AM. And someone's eating like this huge bowl of leftover spaghetti or a big thing of meatloaf and French bread or a box of bacon in a baguette and like just all these crazy things. And nobody was back there. I just, I shouldn't like, uh, what is this going to do? We're all like, I am hungry. I've been up for four and a half hours. Give me some calories. Give me a burrito. Give me the meatloaf. Give me a whole thing of chicken. I don't care. And so that was just for me. So refreshing to be like, oh, you can just eat. Like I was in this place where I was recovering my relationship with food. And so it was so helpful. And none of those people knew, right? I was like brand new at that time. So none of them knew anything about me and my food, but just me being able to go into that break room and have people like randomly eating cookies at six in the morning. I'm like, what? You know, like no eating cookies followed up with that. I know I really shouldn't, but I've been so bad, but you know, they just ate the cookies and moved on with their life. And it was just so freeing to me. Do you think there's a connection between those things that goes both ways, right? So when you're in a career or a job that you are well-suited for, you feel more emotionally stable so it doesn't trigger some of those things. Mm -hmm. And then when you are more stable with your food, you can open yourself up to greater relationships because you can be yourself. I just, I feel like because it made a place in your post that it had to have somehow been significant in relationship to those other things. Yeah. Um, And then to hear you say that it was from scrolling through the pictures that you added it. I think Mm -hmm. that's also a practice that we can all benefit from. I've made significant life changes from that act of reflection. You know, everything about this podcast is reflection and connection for high achieving women. Mm -hmm. And when we can reflect back when we're not in the frenetic pace of living it and for, and, and reflect back into either decades or even last week, mm-hmm. we learn a lot about ourselves that we don't necessarily pay attention to in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, just with the stress of being in the, I mean, and there's a lot of nurses out there that also are, I've worked with, right? Like I've, I've worked with them and that makes sense to me. It's it, it, that industry, that field, that line of work attracts that same high achieving. I just want to do right. I just want to get it right. I just want the gold star. It attracts that type of person. Often it's the high achiever that goes into that industry. And, um, it's just kind of like push, 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 go, go, go. And at a certain point, you're like you were saying, like your body tells you this is not right. Like I cannot keep going at this. And especially right now for nurses, like my heart breaks for them because, you know, the double quadruple, the amount of stress with COVID and stuff, I'm sure that food things are just completely out of whack. But for me, you know, in, in that field, I was so uncomfortable with, where my life was heading. Like when I thought about the next 10 years of my life, I was like, oh no. Like I was not filled with excitement. I was like, I cannot do this for 10 years. Like there's no way. Um, and so of co- it, it was kind of all a chain reaction. It was kind of all just building on each other. And so going to Trader Joe's and feeling that safety, 
feeling at ease, feeling seen, feeling appreciated, making genuine connections, not having to kill myself on the floor or be so crazy and stressed out, I could kind of simmer down that, that nervous system, right? So a lot of that binge eating is like your central nervous system is just in overdrive. Mm -hmm. And so you eat, 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 and it's just like, it makes everything quiet. And so I was able to kind of just like quiet my brain, even though I was still in a super chaotic environment. Like when I would come home from Trader Joe's, I told my roommate, I was like, I can't see you or talk to you for at least two hours because I was so stimulated from Trader Joe's because we worked, I, my store was at the time the busiest, constantly breaking records for how many people we saw. But by the time I left, I'm, I'm actually much more of an introvert than an extrovert. And so much by the time that I left, I was like, Oh, I'm done. Like, I don't want to see anyone. I'm going to take a nap. Maybe I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to watch some TV and that's it. Like I'm tapped out for the day, but it still fed me in a way that made me just feel so alive. I just loved it. Deepest human need is to be seen, heard, known for who we are uniquely. Mm -hmm. And so you have illustrated the power of that, both in your social relationships, as well as your, um, the eating challenges that you have, all, all of your body just goes, oh, this is yeah. thriving. Because every day when you wake up, your, your brain has one job. It wants yeah. to make sure you survive and thrive. Striving was never supposed to be part of the program that, mm -hmm. that entered in with the whole industrial age, productivity, education, high achievement stuff yeah. that we don't have enough hours to cover today. Right. But, but when you're, when your brain feels that you can be yourself and that you're doing work that matters and that you're doing it in a way that you're connecting with people, you've checked all the boxes mm -hmm. and then your brain goes, yay, she's mm -hmm. thriving. Yeah. Now you can go home and rest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good stuff. It is. That's good stuff. You had no idea when you woke up this morning on this beautiful day of your birthday that you were going to be a poster child for thriving on the Badass Women's Council. Yeah, you guys out there listening, she literally messaged me like three hours ago and was like, do you want to be on the podcast? I was like, wait, like for real or to just chat? She's like, no, for real, like the podcast actually today. So this, this was very short notice. <laughs> I, yeah. I just think when you see an opportunity, you should jump on it. So yeah, that's, I agree. that's what we did. Thank you for being here. This has oh, been yeah. absolutely super fun. Yes. Tell our listeners how they can continue to be a part of your life. Where can they find you? If they wanted to hire you, tell us all the yeah. things. Yeah. So the best ways are through Instagram or uh, my website, Instagram and my website are both exactly the same. It's just Renee Sager, R-E-N-A-E. S-A-A-G-E-R. You can find me on there. Uh, you can send me a message. I'm on both. I'm on there quite frequently, especially Instagram. So you can always just shoot me a message. And even if you don't want to hire me, but you just related to some things, I love connecting with new people, especially since I did just move to Indy about four months ago. So I'm still um, doing all the networking and meeting all the people. So yeah, please, if you have a listener that's interested, send me a message. Yeah, you share really helpful tips on on your Instagram, so it's it's definitely worthy of a follow. And you're super fun. And, and so, do you mostly do from a business standpoint one on one? Yep. At coaching? this point, I just okay. do one on one. Yep. And, and are you taking new clients? If somebody was listening to this and said, "I need to just do something about this today," yes, um, 
I have a couple spots left. I'm get, I'm getting I'm full I'm getting pretty filled up, but I have a couple of spots, um, and then I'll be taking some in for the new year as well. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You're you're great. Go enjoy the rest of your birthday, and everybody mark your calendars. Renee's birthday is December first. She'll right. be expecting gifts and all yep. the things next year. Yep. yep. Or anytime this month. Anytime. Open yes. open this month for receiving yes. of the open gifts. Enrollment of gifts. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not coming down. This is Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian. Thanks so much for being here. We'd love to stay connected. We can do that if you jump into the online community at badasswomenscouncil.community. We've got lots of cool people in there already. And if you come in, it'll just be cooler. I'm not coming down. I never left it on the ground.